Did you know that right now there's a group of people running the business of their dreams? They are respected leaders in their field, working with clients they love and serving them profitably. Now, are they famous? Depends on who you ask. They're not signing autographs at the grocery store or taking selfies every five minutes. They're not trying to be everywhere on social media. Yet when they show up at trade events and conferences, they are recognized and sought after. They're the ones everyone else looks up to. They're the next generation of thought leaders in their space. So what's their secret? Well, they've become famously influential to the right people, and so can you. Today, we'll dig into the story of one of these leaders and deconstruct how they became micro-famous. You won't just come away inspired, you'll come away with a new strategy and a new way of thinking. So while your competition is scattered, chaotic, and chasing every shiny object, you can move forward with confidence and clarity. I'm your host, Matt Johnson, agency founder and author of Microfamous. And if you're ready to become famously influential to the right people, let's get started. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Microfamous. I've got a fun, fast-paced conversation. I know typically these are solo episodes, but I couldn't resist sharing this one because my guest today is Matthew Pollard, the author of The Introvert's Edge and The Introvert's Edge Networking. He is obviously a fellow introvert, but uh, super energetic. I, I think very similar to me in the sense that he can turn the extroverted on uh, in certain situations when he when he wants to. He's a speaker. He's an award-winning blogger, best-selling author, known as kind of the rapid growth guy. Uh, by the age of 30. He was responsible for five different multi-million dollar business success stories, ends up being a top 50 keynote speaker, you know, spoken for Oracle, Microsoft, uh, you know, a whole bunch of big companies, best-selling book, um, you know, podcast hosts, all, all the things essentially. But I love Matthew's point of view. We, we kind of independently came to a lot of the same conclusions. And uh, while he was over in, you know, Australia kind of coming up as a young salesperson trying to figure out how to generate sales as an introvert without changing who he was, kind of came up with a recipe for success for himself that he then started teaching. Um, unbeknownst to me, uh, I encountered him just within the last couple of years while I was already kind of in the world of podcasting, trying to figure out some of those same things for myself. And we ended up stumbling across some of the same, uh, I would say some of the same strategies and concepts. And so they're very, very complementary to what you learn here on the Micro Famous podcast. And the, the book that Matthew's coming out, The Introverts Edge Networking, the goal of his book is to help introverts realize that the success, the, you know, the keys to success in that room when you're networking with people isn't about becoming more extroverted. As he puts it, it's about learning a system for networking that allows you to dominate the room without changing who you are. It's, it's really interesting that we both came to the conclusion that with the right systems, introverts don't have to change who we are. The key is, what system are you going to run? Choose the right system and you don't have to change. There's some other really good stuff that we get into on this conversation, including the power of stories and not just any stories like case studies, but really how to inject emotion into your stories that move people to take action. And that's, you know, Matthew's point of view on that has really had a big impact on me. And it's one of the reasons why in this podcast and in my emails behind the scenes to my list, I've started to open up way, way more and tell stories from, you know, behind the scenes or from my past. And, uh, and that's helped, you know, kind of people connect with me on a deeper level. And I would have never, never thought to share some of those stories if it hadn't been for Matthew's first book, The Introvert's Edge, and just the power of stories in the sales process. So we talk about that. That in itself is worth listening to. We also get into why Matthew did 150 podcast interviews to promote his first book and how that generated around 12,000 sales, about half of his total uh, of the sales for, for his first book, and how that set him up to then do something similar the second time around, which is to go straight to the people that he'd built relationships with the first time around so that his first podcast interview was with a big podcaster. I'll, I'll leave it for the conversation to find who that was. 
and how and how much of an impact that made. But it was it was from laying the foundation of doing a whole bunch of podcast interviews the first time around for his first book to where he was able to go and get more specific with the second round of interviews uh, to promote his second book and how much of an impact that made. So it's very complementary again with what we teach in the micro famous system, which is host a podcast get interviewed as a guest on other podcasts, and then to break that content up into smaller chunks for sales and for social media content, right? So again, Matthew Pollard, author of The Introvert's Edge and The Introvert's Edge to Networking, which should be coming out right around the time you're hearing this podcast episode. And I'm super excited for you to listen. So let's jump in with Matthew Pollard. Matthew, officially welcome back to the podcast. Mate, I'm excited to be here. Thanks so much for having me on. It's going to be a blast. We've got a bunch of stuff to get into. We've had you on the show, and I know I just got done giving kind of your background and all that fun stuff, so we won't belabor the point. But I, I am curious, when you meet somebody right now, what do you tell them that you do? I tell them I'm the rapid growth guy. Okay. And that literally short circuits their brain because what does that mean? They've never heard of it before. And I mean, this is what I call the, I call it a unified message, but you know, I see this happen on, you know, when people go to networking events, especially it's, it's the worst, right? People go, Oh, what is it you doing? You say, Oh, I'm a business coach or I'm in marketing. And people go, Oh yeah, I used one of you guys before and it didn't really work out. Now you're like, Oh, that's awkward. Do I convince and control? Oh, I'm different. You know, I've got magic Ruby slippers. Like, what do you say? Right. Or they say, Oh yeah, I've, I've been looking for a marketing consultant. How much do you charge? You know what? Now I've got to talk about price. We've just met. There's no sales process, not explaining my value. It's horrible. Yeah. So what I do is I will say I'm the rapid growth guy and people go, what exactly is that? Now, when in networking events, do you ever get permission to explain what you do? So I then start talking about my passion for helping small businesses and the mission that I'm on. And then I'll give them an example and I'll tell them a story. You think about what the average person does in networking. They'll say, I'm a business coach. And then they get straight into the opening the fire hose of all the things that they do. And the customer is just overwhelmed with all of that. And they're like, at the end, they're like, oh, that sounds nice. I've finished politely listening to you for three minutes. And now you feel obligated to ask them what they do. And then they do the same thing for you. And then you awkwardly go off to the bathroom and hope to never run into each other ever again while saying, oh, I've got your business card. I'll totally call you. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's horrible. This is why I don't do networking events very often, but you're going to fix that, which is why we're going to talk. So we're, we're going to have a blast about that. But what's the, uh, give me the overview of that, like the big idea of the latest book. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, the first book was The Introvert's Edge and it really focused on sales and how you can create sales as a step-by-step -step system. And for introverts, especially, you know, if you don't like the bulldog techniques and the hard closing like me, you want something that feels more comfortable and allows you to really be your authentic self, just the best version of your authentic self. And what was, what was really interesting with this book, I mean, you know, I'd been telling other people to write the book because, you know, with my reading issues, I did not want to write the book myself. And everyone's like, no one's going to buy a book on introverted sales. No one's going to buy one. I mean, and I'm like, there's 2000 books for extroverts. There's got to be some yes. people interested in an introverted selling method. Yeah. So I launched it. I mean, it was, endorsed by Harvard, by Princeton, Neil Patel, Marshall Goldsmith. It sold 25,000 copies in the first year. It's been translated into 10 languages and it's won a whole ton of awards. It got listed as the number two book ever written for introverts by Book Authority and HubSpot listed as one of the most highly rated sales books of all time. But what happened was all these people were like, well, now I'm closing deals, but how do I get more leads? Right. And we went, well, okay, well, obviously you've got a network. And, you know, my whole, my whole philosophy about networking is you've got to perfect it in the room so you never have to go back into the room, which is kind of what the book's about. So it's about dominating inside the networking room because let's face it, most people really struggle to explain what they do in the room when someone's politely listening for two, three minutes. 
how are you ever going to do it when you're online and you get, you know, fractions of a second? So the goal of this book is to really help people understand that 90% of all networking success for an introvert happens before you even walk into the room because it's just, the truth is we, we're not second-class citizens. Our path to success is just different to that of the extroverts. And we need to embrace that. We need to embrace systems that channel our introverted strengths. And our introverted strengths are really preparation so that we don't get stuck in our head. That then allows us to empathize more, listen more. And by the way, you know, B&I did a massive survey that highlighted the competencies and qualities that people liked in the people that they were networking. And it was the ability to listen. The things they hated was those self-promoters, yet most people feel that that's what they need to do when they were networking. So the goal of this book is to really help people realize that, again, the success in the networking room is not about becoming more extroverted, but learning a system that channels their introverted strengths and then allows them to dominate in the room so that eventually they can dominate online as well. Okay. So I'm interested in the leap from getting the question of, okay, now I know, I know how to close the deal. I know how to have the sales conversation in a way that's authentic, but now I need more leads. So when, when that started to crop up, what led you from leads to networking? Because I know that if I talk to any extrovert ever, their idea of going from leads is great. Let's, let's run $10,000 of Facebook ads, or I'm going to go live every single day on Facebook or Instagram. And what's that new thing with the t- TikTok just came out? Okay, I'm going to do that. And I'm going to do that every day, seven times a day. Right. How did you get from leads to networking? Yeah, sure. I mean, the first thing is, I mean, I think that because most people are so terrible explaining what they do, they have to be the loudest in the marketplace, right? right? So that's why they, they spend money on putting out a blog post every day, a podcast every day. If you can't be the clearest, you have to be the loudest, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why they're doing all of this stuff, which I mean, for an introvert, especially it's exhausting. And I was never going to be that guy that was taking a photo of my donut for something to post on social media. That's just not who I am. Nope. But the, the second thing is what I realized is that most people, they, they run to all these shiny objects, you know, the silver bullet success things online because they're looking for that new tactic that they can apply to their bland message to get clients. But of course, by the time they find out about it, everyone's already doing it. But what I, you know, my backstory is, you know, I struggling as an introvert to sell and you know, fell into sales really, and then learned by selling, you know, watching YouTube videos, I learned to sell and then ran my own businesses, but they're all bricks and mortar, telemarketing, direct sales. I mean, I didn't even know how to change the word the to the word they on a website, but you know, I was responsible for five multi-million dollar success stories. So, you know, I wasn't sad about it, but when I moved to the US, I was like, okay, if I ever want to see my family, I can't have a massive organization that relies on these sorts of things. I want to go more online so I can pick up and leave if I need to. Mm-hmm. So because of that, I started to learn the skills online. And what I realized is the reason why everyone's doing this is they have very bland messaging. They don't know their marketplace. They have really, they don't tell stories and they do the same horrible things in the networking room that they do online, except they get even less attention. You know, no one's going to politely just persevere with trying to work out on their website what they do and everyone overcomplicates it. So I, I, what I decided is that I could help people with networking and then show them how those exact skills, once perfected in the networking room, allow them to leverage it. Even if they're doing virtual networking, allow them to leverage it in a way that they can use technology, psychology, and strategy to get their ideal clients to chase them online, which is an introvert's dream. Now, the thing that actually really pushed it, though, is something I actually really haven't told anyone, but what happened was going back, this was a couple of years ago now, but one of the people that bought my book left, left the book on his coffee table and 
His son, who was super introverted, I mean, like hoodie on, always looked at his shoes, no real friends at school. Well, he picked up the book and he'd always liked business books. Well, he picked up the book and read it and he went, you know, if you can systemize selling, maybe I can systemize the process of having, getting friends. So he carried my book around for like a month. And, you know, he would, and literally within that month, his hoodie came off. You know, he started to make friends. There's even a girl. Well, then there was a girl in the picture. I believe now it's, it's the girlfriend in the picture. Oh. But, you know, everything shifted for him. And he reached out to me to let me know. And we just, you know, we just interviewed him. My ghostwriter and I, we, we interviewed him to understand, you know, what and Derek, my ghostwriter, I mean, he burst into tears halfway through the interview. It was such wow. a heart-wrenching story. And we went, we can do something with this, right? Yes, of course, my, my rapid growth system applies to, you know, it, it, it definitely applies to introverted service providers, but really service providers in general. But because I came here and I had to learn to network in a different way and marketing yourself is very, very different than marketing somebody else's widget or product. So, you know, I had to create my own unique networking process, which I taught inside my academy. And I went, you know what? While I could teach it to everyone, I really, you know, getting it into the introverted psyche, helping them understand how to overcome a lot of these issues that they have you know, if you can succeed at networking in the room, you can dominate outside it. Because I mean, I know you do a lot of work explaining to people that messaging is critical on podcasts. And if you can't explain the value of what you do, I mean, everybody will go on a podcast a couple of times and they'll go, oh, you know, it kind of worked, but you know, no one really reached out to me. That was because again, you, you on a daily podcast and you didn't resonate with them, right? They didn't identify with your message. You probably gave information instead of telling stories. You overwhelmed the listener and they just went click, next or they listened through it they forgot about you the moment they heard the next person yet when i deliver on podcasts because my messages are clear because my stories are rock solid and because i don't try and sell because networking in the room isn't about selling either it's about fostering relationships that one day lead to sales or lead to champion relationships or partners that you know introduce you to other people that they think would be valuable like you do for me, Matt, often, and constantly share the value of what you provide. So what I realized is if I could teach people how to do it in the networking room, they would be a force to be reckoned with in every other forum as well. Yeah, that makes total sense. And that's, and I run into that and, and I, I try to use the opportunity when we work with new podcast clients to get them not to just dig into like what the idea of their podcast is, but I want their, their podcast to align with the business idea perfectly. So like it ends up kind of leading back to what their core idea is of what their business is. Like that should be clear and compelling. And then the podcast just puts that idea into the market. So yeah, I try, I try to use that first month that we're working together on their podcast strategy to get their, their message, their entire messaging clear. And it seems like you've identified networking as kind of another one of those arenas where you can help people straighten out their messaging. Cause then it does affect everything else is that all these cascade effects. Absolutely. And, and I think that the reason why I like networking for doing it, even if, I mean, you know, this software like lunch club where you can have virtual meetings with people, even during the, the COVID environment. Right. But the, the reason why I like networking as a forum is you get that instant feedback loop. So for instance, you know, I've had clients that, you know, I had one client that uh, a good example of this is that they'll go to a networking room and they'll use their unified message and it, you know, and now if you're speaking to people that aren't in your niche, it doesn't matter, right? If they like it or not, but if it's somebody within your niche and you find yourself defending it rather than it going, Oh, that's interesting. What do you tell me more about that? You know, it didn't work. If you tell a story and at the end of that, they don't go, Oh my gosh, that's exactly me. That's exactly what I'm struggling with. Well, you need a new story. Now I'm not saying you need hundreds of stories, all of my clients, you need three. If you know your niche, then literally go, well, what are the three major problems they have? 
And then you tell those stories. Now, I'm not talking about how most people tell stories. If you tell stories at all, which is, oh, customer wanted this, so we gave it to them. You know those case studies that we share? I mean, yeah. Right. I mean, the, I mean, imagine going on a podcast and, oh, Matt, yeah, I worked with a client like that. Yeah. And, you know, I did this one little implementation and bang, they made all this money. Who cares? Right. Until you explain the emotive content throughout it, right? You learn to tell these stories, almost like stories about how you met your partner, right? Yeah, at the start, it's a little bit bulky and, you know, you start to realize some things work, some things don't, and you start to remove the things that don't and you start to embellish on the things that do. And then before you know it, just, you know, when you're talking about how you met your partner, it's like a theatrical masterpiece, right? I say this, they say that, we then hold each other's hands, we look at each other and we're like, so that's how we met. And yet in business, we don't do this. So when you're in a networking room telling these stories are powerful, but when you're on a podcast, all of a sudden it becomes tangible when you're, you know, every time you get an opportunity to tell a story, if you tell a story correctly, and I'm talking, taking minutes to tell a story, not seconds to tell a case study of this and that transformation. And you make it about the the, the champion is not you. It's the person that had the transformation. So it's not about me bragging. It's about this person and how I was so privileged to be part of their journey to see how they transform because of their efforts. Oh, by the way, they use my ideology, but sure, it was them. All of a sudden, people are on the, you know, the, 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 the seat going, oh my gosh, what's happening next? What's happening next? Mm-hmm. Right? So the goal is that if you plan things correctly, then everything will work. But again, how do you know if it works or not? Like I see all these people, you know, I interviewed Ryan Dice, the founder of Digital Marketer on my podcast. Yeah. And I said, dude, you're like the guy for coming to learn how to make money on the internet, on the internet. So let me ask you a question. Can I really just avoid ever speaking to people? And he said, absolutely, eventually. And I said, <laughs> perfect, explain that. And he said, well, you know, with him, even when he, you know, he has a conference called Traffic and Conversion Summit. And we're talking about a guy that, you know, he's spoken on my stage a couple of times and he will not come. And if there isn't a back entrance, he can come in and out of without going into the world of people to get out. Right. He just, and it's not that he doesn't want to talk to people. It's that he's terrified of being pummeled. That's his thing. He doesn't, he doesn't want to walk down and feel like people are going to run over him. That's, that's, that's his biggest fear. So he said, there's this one time and he knew he had this product that he wanted to launch. So he made the decision that what he was going to do is say on stage, this is what he did. He said, so we've got this new product that we're launching for corporations to learn our, you know, our training. If you'd like to talk to me further about it, I will be standing over there. He said, I had a hundred conversations in the space of three days. He said, it was the worst three days. I could easily say the worst three days of my entire life. He said, but at the end of that, I knew what stories worked, what stories didn't, what I could say that would work, what buying uh, factors there were, what benefits they liked, how I could make them tangible and relatable, what things to never say and what FAQ would look like. He said, then we just built it onto a website. I also wrote the script for the sales team. He said, I've never sold it since. He said, but those hundred conversations launched the entire business. So what I would tell people is you really can have a rapid growth business. Well, firstly, you can have a rapid growth business doing anything, but the worst thing in the world is a rapid growth business with customers you can't stand, the business you don't like. Mm. So you want to make sure it's definitely connecting with your passion and your purpose and your mission. And everyone got into what they do for a reason, but more often practicality forces us to stop talking about that. And we get too much into the jargon. So you really can have a rapid growth business doing what you love. And then when you get on podcast, you can be passionate like I am and therefore much more authentic. However, if you haven't practiced out everything you're going to say in a networking room where you've had that dialogue where, you know, only one person hears it if you fail. And next time you go, okay, external part of the process. How do I tinker with that to make it work for me? When you get, you know, onto a podcast, maybe it's, 
a podcast like John Lee Dumas's Entrepreneur on Fire or The Eventual Millionaire, all shows I've been on many times, you think I'd be invited twice if I just bumbled my way through it because I hadn't practiced it? And when people come to my website and they read my stuff and the stories don't hit home, well, how would they if I'd never tried them and perfected them with real people? Now, sure, you can practice before you go, which I would always recommend, but there's always going to be a few kinks the first few times you vocalize it. And then when you write it, it becomes this laser sharp story or laser sharp set of points and features and benefits that they absolutely, anyone that's your ideal customer is like, oh my gosh, how have I not known about this person? <laughs> oh, there's so many directions I could go. Um, but that, but that's one of the reasons you, you talk about the, the repetition that it takes to get your messaging right, which you can get in that networking, you can get it in a compressed time frame like Ryan Dice did. It's also the, one of the reasons why I tell people, look, if you're gonna go out and get interviewed on podcasts, especially at first, don't worry about how big the podcasts are. In fact, maybe don't go after the biggest ones right off the bat. Um, like I have my staff pitching me to kind of three different levels of podcasts all the time because uh, I, want, I want the repetition because I can feel the difference. I could feel the difference after the book where, where you get that content out of your head and on paper. Like for an introvert, that's huge. And then I could feel the difference after six months of talking about it versus when the book first came out. Huge difference, right? And I'm sure you experienced the same thing. Well, even when you change books, I mean, my first book, I probably did about 150 interviews for that. Mm -hmm. But when the next book came out, I had to use different stories. I had to talk about different ideas. And because of that, you know, <laughs> the first podcast I booked was John Lee Dumas's, right? That's it's only going out to, what, 10,000, couple hundred thousand people, right? So it's, it's, it's one of the biggest podcasts in the world. And he went, oh, yeah, let's get you straight in. We'll get it recorded because I've got a long production line. So I had this massive rush to get five podcasts in that I could, you know, bumble my way through beforehand because otherwise I'm going to go on this show and my stories won't be rock solid and things yeah. won't be correct. So, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, the thing is for me, you know, I'll go to, and you know, take this with caution, but, you know, if you get a unified message and you get your stories and you get your, your process all structured correctly, I would even consider going to a few networking events that aren't your ideal niche. Don't, don't be disheartened because it hasn't worked, but you know, make, they're going to be your toughest clients, right? Because they're, sorry, the toughest prospects because they're probably not going to want to work with you because you aren't the right fit. But that kind of dialogue going up and back is the best practice you could ever have, right? So when you go into a room of all your ideal clients, right, everything is so, so honed. I mean, you know, it's some interesting examples. I actually worked with a, um, a guy that sold life insurance. And, you know, as you can imagine, when you go to a networking room, if you hear somebody say, I sell life insurance, mm -hmm. your eyes scream, I need to get away from this person, <laughs> right? Because the last thing you ever want to be dealing with. And, you know, that's what his problem was. He was like, he's working for an organization. And, you know, I mostly work with small business owners. But he's like, you know, I kind of run it my own way. So can you help me? And I said, okay, yeah, sure. Let's, let's have a chat about it. So I said, help me understand though. I mean, I want to really delve into your passion. What are you, are you more passionate about working with the people that make 250,000 a year or 50,000 a year? He goes, well, the 250, because, you know, I can sell them more and I make more commission. But mate, no one wants to know that you're their ideal client because you want to buy a Bentley, right? You need to make it a little bit more passion focused. And I believe that you got into what you did for a reason. So help me understand. If I could say an executive that, you know, studied at Harvard, got into Harvard because he hustled, you know, got into that C-level executive job and now makes amazing money versus the person that started his own business, hired people, and now makes amazing money. Which one of those are you more likely wanting to help? And he said, well, obviously the small business owner. I said, why obviously? I mean, they both hustled. Yeah. And he said, well, I just feel like they deserve it more. I'm like, tell me more about that. Okay. He said, 
Yeah, it was. It's funny what comes up, right? So he said, well, you know, my grandfather owned a farm. And he said, I watched him build that farm up and he employed so many people and made sure they always got their 401ks and everything. And, you know, he said, then he got sick and he didn't have insurance. So he had to sell the farm to pay for his, his treatments and the, the fact that he couldn't work anymore. And he, he goes, I just watched my grandfather die in a small apartment in front of the TV for the last 10 years of his life. And I just vowed never to let anyone else you know, be like that. So, you know, I actually got into insurance and I gravitated to these products that allowed you to put your cash flow because businesses have high cash flow, cash flow in to get high yield interest that you could then rotate into property. I was blown away at how much he knew. Why don't we, instead of focusing on saying you're an insurance salesperson, how would it feel every day to wake up and help the hustlers of the world, the small business owners, those hustlers that create something out of nothing, make sure that they don't get stuck in these situations where they don't prioritize their, their, their own life. And then something like this ha- happens and it is horrible. Because, I mean, that would be amazing. See, great. Let's call you the hustle lifeguard then instead. So now he goes to events. He calls himself the hustle lifeguard. He talks about how passionate he is about these people that prioritize everyone else, their staff, their, their business, but forget about those other things, which is why he's on a mission to help these people and then get into a story of one of the people that he worked with or his grandfather. And that's yeah. why he's determined to do this. As soon as he's done talking like that, any person, I'm not just talking about business owners. They're like, can you help me? I know I'm not really a small business owner, but I love your passion. I want you to help. But those small business owners are like, oh my gosh, this is probably the first time in my life I've actually cared about insurance. Sure. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And damn it, you did it to me. You sucked me into the story. <sighs> well, right. I can't tell you the value and the science behind story. If I don't share a story, yeah, with it, so people go, oh, it does work. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's hilarious. We'll have to talk about that. We'll have to bring you back for another podcast episode just about the story component. But uh, there was a couple questions that I wanted to ask before I get into that. Where can people go get the book and when does it officially launch? Absolutely. So it launches on January 19th. Now, uh, uh, it will be available for download, though. You can download the first chapter. My publisher hates me when I say this, but you don't need to buy the book straight away. No, my books are good. So go and check out theintrovertsedge.com forward slash networking. If you don't love the first chapter, send me an email about how terrible it is. I, I hope you won't do that. Really don't do that. But if you do love the book, I know you'll pick up the rest of it. But you know, if you go and download the first chapter, the first thing I'll do is get you over that hurdle of believing that networking is possible for you. And then the second thing I'll do is I'll map out the strategy that you can follow all in the first chapter. So you'll get a huge amount of benefit out of that. You know, my, my other book, The Introvert's Edge, you can download at theintrovertsedge.com. And there I actually map out the full seven-step process that you can use to go out and sell. And if you do nothing more than grab those seven steps, put what you currently say under it, you'll realize some things are out of order. Some things you shouldn't be saying to clients so you know because they don't fit. And then you'll realize there's some gaps. And I mean, with those two first chapters, I mean, you'll easily double your sales in the next 60 days and you'll start to develop many, many more leads. Perfect. Love it. Okay. So uh, one question I had was when you did 150 podcast interviews as a guest for the first book, The Introvert's Edge, what was the result? Like how many of your book sales came because of that push versus other things that you tried? You know, it's interesting. So I always get people say to me, Matt, you must have spent a fortune on Facebook ads to sell as many copies of your book. And I'm like, I didn't spend any money on Facebook ads. And they're like, well, what's, what's your secret? And obviously I had a lot of really great influencers and supporters that helped me as well and endorsed the book. But you know, more than 50% of those sales easily came from podcasts. I mean, I don't think people understand that if you go on pod, by the way, you don't say on your podcast, hey, 
I'm going to give you my secret now, right? I don't say on podcast, hey, buy my book. Because right. when people when the people get that, they're like, oh, he's just trying to sell his book, right? But if you say, check out the first chapter, they're like, oh, his book must be pretty good if he's willing to risk them not buying the book to consume the first chapter, right? I trust this guy. I'm going to do it. But for me, you know, I went on podcasts. I shared stories. I shared value. I then told people they don't need to buy my book. Download the first chapter. And because people liked my content, that easily led to at least half of my book sales. Because let's face it, I'm not networking with one person right now while you and I, Matt, and two Matt's having a conversation here, right? This is going out to thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people over the course of the, you know, the, the years that this will be up. And that means that people keep going back to my book. I mean, the one thing that I would really say above all things, and I'm not talking about just book sales, is I don't like to spend money on things that when you stop spending the money, the sales stop, which is like advertising. Now, sure, if you've got a leveraged product, fine. But if you're selling your services, especially, then you need to really think about that. So for me, this podcast, you know, Matt, he's, he's getting podcast listeners every day that want to start from the beginning and listen their way through. So I get new clients and new people that read my book. I've got people that listen to my podcast episodes two years ago, bought my book, read my book, and now they're spending, you know, five figures to work with me or they're buying my online programs. So the thing that I love about podcast is it's a medium that stays focused on the message, it's evergreen because as long as you don't make it all about promoting the book and you actually give value, which is what you should be doing anyway, it's a constant source of revenue that'll just deliver. And some of the podcasts that I should never have been on two years ago are now amazingly big podcasts. So even those ones that you're like, just go on them because it's good practice, they're the ones that you'll be surprised sometimes when they start to really <laughs> deliver you some amazing clients. I know, it's true. I just talked to a client about that the other day. He was on a podcast and it's not huge, but it's got just the right niche. And all of a sudden he said, just leads start pouring in and we're signing people up off this one random podcast I was on a couple of weeks ago. So it does happen like that. There's a bunch of other stuff we get into. I'd love to talk to you about how you've structured your own expert business for being an introvert. And uh, cause you're a high energy guy, but I know I can be that way in the right circumstance. And then I want to go take a nap. So that's, we'll have to come have you come back and kind of share a little bit about how you've structured your business around yourself that allows you to show up with the energy that you do, but we'll have to save that for another time. So Matthew, this has been awesome. I hope people check out the first chapter of the book and, uh, and make sure that they get onto your email list so that they keep track of all the fun stuff that you're doing. And thanks so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Mate, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me back. Thanks for listening to the Micro Famous Podcast. If you're ready to become famously influential to the right people, connect with us at getmicrofamous.com. It's the best way to take the next step to implementing the Micro Famous strategy in your business so you can attract an audience, build influence, and become the Micro Famous leader you're meant to be. And we'll see you on the next episode.